Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. Uh, remarkably, we are going to talk about football for an hour and 20 minutes or so. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And um, look, I, this is not a politics podcast. Maybe maybe one day, and, and frankly, what we're going to talk about really isn't politics anymore. But one day, Scott and I will get jobs that are like not in the government and, and maybe we will do a politics podcast because I think we'd do a really kind of good one. But that day is well, – I'd do a good one. You'd do a shitty one. But all Well, right. That, right. That, and also you're a fucking pedophile according to the internet, Scott. So I don't – and that's how it starts and that's how it goes. And after – look, we said on Twitter – I wrote on Twitter yesterday that you know we weren't doing the pod because – uh, we didn't much feel like talking about football, and that was true, and we couldn't verify the safety of everyone involved. And that was true. It was maybe a little, like, upon reflection, I would I don't know if over the top is quite the right way to put it, but, I mean, Paul lives, you know, less than a mile from yep. the Capitol building uh, in the United States, and I live, you know, maybe five or six miles. But, you know, it, miles are weird in D.C. Like, to go one mile could take an hour. Um but I don't live all that far from it, and and Scott is, you know, without giving away the Definitely juice, you're not at a risk at all of anything. <laughs> well, I uh, yeah, but I mean, like you have a job most intimately connected to the scenes that we saw yesterday, um, and so we weren't up for it, and I had a nightmare of, you know, Paul uh, Paul having to like stop recording in the middle of this podcast, and so um, I don't want to sit here and and. There are so many people that can tell you what to make of this and what not to make of it. And we're going to do our best to do a football podcast. But because we record in D.C., this was a real emotional – it was a scary thing for me. And, again, upon reflection, I, I was ultimately never going to be in any danger. But, like, like at the time, it, you don't know what's happening. And it's, it's, a, it's a mess. Um, it's a real mess, and it's a shame, and I think that regardless of who you vote for or what you want to think, I don't think anybody ever wants to see anything like what happened yesterday again. I mean, four people are dead, and, you know, an indelible stain is on dem- – I mean, maybe it was already there, and this was just us looking at it, but uh, it was a shitty day, and I was confiding to the guys that – Sunday was amongst the most enjoyable Bills games I've ever watched, and I wasn't expecting it. And I have been looking forward to uh, Saturday for God knows how long, and I am barely able to sort of emotionally get myself there to be happy about it right now. Um, so please excuse me and, and the other guys. If if this has a bit of a somber tone, we're going to do what we can. I want to open it up to Paul first and then Scott. Uh, please share what you want to share about it. Um, and then we're going to move on and talk about football, but, and I apologize to her briefly. You know what listeners, I get it. Skip ahead five or six minutes. If you don't want to hear it, I get it, but it's, it's too close to us to not have a minute to talk about it. These are two of my dearest friends, uh, on the planet and I need to have this minute. So indulge me if you, if you can't, you know, see yourself clear, but Paul, go ahead. It was a, yeah, it was a scary day yesterday for sure was the, the one day I got to live in the uh, Banana Republic of America versus the United States of America. And I prefer not to relive that uh, to the degree possible. We used to joke on the, you know, when we podcast at my old place, 
uh, over on Massachusetts Avenue, the number of sirens that would go off during the podcast <laughs> like this, that would have been dwarfed by yesterday. So even if we were like ready and raring to go with the podcast and focusing entirely on football, uh, it would have been me muting myself literally every three to five minutes. I just... would have really enjoyed that. That would have been yeah. good. Pod. <laughs> <laughs> so I yep, siren again, yep, siren again. So it was nonstop. So it was a it was a difficult day. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of the developments the coming days, certainly in the coming weeks, that are going to address this. I know arrests have already started. Uh, we're not taking a political stance, but I think we can all agree you should never storm a legislative building in 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 your country, uh, especially the one that you know is the main legislative building of the country, and attack police officers with bars over their heads and all of that stuff. Because uh, I think we're 50 some cops have been injured, and, and you never like to see that. So yeah, it was a it was a rough day. I'm glad it's over. I was largely shielded from it here because uh, even though I'm only eight blocks away from the Capitol, uh, I'm kind of in an out of the way nook that people wouldn't just wander into. So thankfully, safe here, and hopefully, we've got the worst of it uh, behind us. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I mean, obviously, I still feel attached. Obviously, I lived in D.C. for for 10 years so this is all of the all of the places that you could see you know my wife and i were were being like oh yeah that's are they on the other side of the fountain or no they're they're on the other side of the fountain that's not you know that <laughs> oh is that a stuff. new firehook bakery i didn't know they <laughs> put it there right <laughs> exactly i remember going in that door i wonder if that door is still going to be there tomorrow um you know that kind of thing so it it wasn't i don't think uh, yeah i think it's safe to say i i don't think i would have had much fun doing the podcast um i don't think i would have been able to focus on doing the podcast so let's yeah i think it was a good decision to not do the podcast and yes now we can all move on to the non-violent coup parts of our lives uh hopefully and let uh everyone who's in a position to do something about it do something about it uh whether that's now or in 13 days or whatever and uh we can all we can all focus on what we do best, which is definitely not this podcast. But then somewhere further down in the list of things uh, is this podcast. So. Yes. Um, and speaking of violent thrashings, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't do the transition. I'm sorry. I was like, no, that was good. That was a good. I, as good. The, 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 the violent coup of the AFC East is complete. It is. Yes. Um, we, have, we have cut off the Patriots' head. We posted it on Skype. <laughs> Then we are we feasting on our... dolphins and, you know, oh we've destroyed all the jets. Well, the first thing that happens in any revolution is the person right next to the guy who takes control, he gets axed. That was the oh. dolphins. Yeah, the dolphins right. were our co-conspirators. And then we got to the summit and we just kind of pushed them off. They're down at the guillotine. That was the guillotining. That was that was Sunday. Yep. No yeah. postseason for you. No. Um, no, I mean, 56 to 26 that's a, first of all, congratulations. That's a real to, score, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, and congratulations to Paul, who yeah. uh, had a few scoregamis this year, and I'm so thrilled that the last one of the season happens with the Bills on the winning side for him, because he is our scoregami guru. Uh, yes. The other and, score to me was the Titans game, which was not as enjoyable. I would <laughs> like this. Yes, I would like to say that I jokingly had said on Twitter like two days before when they had revealed, like, oh, did you know that? You know, Tyler Bass is X number of is eight points away from setting the all time scoring franchise record. I said, well, all we need is eight touchdowns then, because I just was laughingly thinking about blowing a team out with eight touchdowns. And lo and behold, 
I mean, they get the eight touchdowns, which is insane. Um, no, and it, it, it came from all sides. Uh, it was an, an, it was a laugher for sure. I mean, that's a great baseball term for sure is like, was it a laugher? Absolutely. Um, and it was really kind of great in the, um, what was I trying to say? That like the first two series, I do remember the first two series, like looking at it and going, gosh, like they're playing really vanilla here. I'm surprised the starter's out. Like this is what they're doing, you know? And they just to sort of like, you know, the, the, the Dolphins are up early. I think it's like three nothing. Maybe it, I don't think it's 10 nothing. You know, no, it's it was three six, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Three nothing it's, after one quarter. And they just sort of like, to me, it felt like they said, you know, we could put this team away pretty quickly if we just like, you know, did one or two drives. And then they, they just sort of decided to try. And then once they started to try, even when they weren't trying, they were trying. And then they just decided to like, this is fun and embarrassing. And just like said, it was just like a real, this must be what Patriots fans feel like. It's all I can think of when they're just like, fuck it. Why are we going to take the foot off the gas? Make them stop us. Mark, Matt Barkley, throw a touchdown. Let's get him a touchdown. Right, if you can't stop the Matt Barkley-Gabe Davis connection and keep Antonio Williams in check in the running game, why should mercy be taken on you? I, I don't know. It's almost like mercy. Like, they're trying – like, they're, they're not taking their foot off the gas in that way, but, like, they're definitely not trying to, like, win as much. And they still just, like – they couldn't get out of their own way with how many times they scored. Uh, Paul, do you, sorry, I started with Paul last time. Scott, uh, you, of course, were flying during most of this back to jolly old UK, um, probably because you had give, been given advance notice of everything <laughs> that was going to happen this week. <laughs> and uh, at least that's what the Internet's telling me. Um, perhaps you could you could enlighten us as to your feelings on the game, whether you got a chance to watch any more of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I watched the first half live and I definitely had the opposite experience of Frank, because pretty much after Alan got hit on the first series, I was like, <laughs> out. I was like, this is I'm done. I'm over it. Like, I remember very distinctly on the pod last week kind of being Metsa Metsa, like whatever, like, you know, take him in, leave him out. I'd be fine either way. You know, I, they're, they're playing well right now. So let's let's keep it rolling. But, you know, there is an injury risk. So that's that would be fine if they left him out, too. Don't. I don't care about the records, but everything else is everything else is still relevant. And then and then visibly seeing Allen get hit, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't want to see this anymore. I just want to <laughs> get out of this game. And then I was I was yelling in all caps repeatedly and sending yes. a lot of very spicy gifts to to the boys uh, about getting him out of there uh, on on Sunday. Um, certainly, you know, really after the after the first or second drive, I forget when he got hit. Um, but then certainly like more as the bills kind of started to turn it on more, they started to seem like they were using more of the playbook and it was kind of like, okay, like, like, you know, I was like, all right, you know, I get it. Okay. So now we're, we're going to try and sort of put them away here. I, you know, I, think I, I, it was, I just, I think it was 14, three. You're like, okay. And then 21, three was the punt return touchdown. Yeah. And we all saw Matt Barkley run out and congratulate him. And then, we were like, okay, that's got to be it. And when he comes out 21-6 with, like, the two-minute drive, you yeah. were, like, apoplectic. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, he needs that, to be out now. Yeah. That's, I mean, to me, like, I, you know, whatever. Superstitious call it, call it honor among thieves, whatever. Like, to me, it was like, we are now courting disaster with the yeah. football gods. Like, we are asking for something bad to happen. And, and 
good news, nothing did. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's a reason that, you know, football gods aren't real. But like, <laughs> you see, like, now you shamed us all. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, and anyway, on Sunday or Saturday, things happen. But um, yeah, like it just seemed to be courting disaster by 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 putting him out there again. Um, and you know, whatever they, they got away with it. Um, yes, when I was able to catch up on Monday and watch the second half, that was a much more uh, enjoyable experience. Um, you know, that obviously was, yes, at that point I was fully like, yes, by all means, if Matt Barkley wants to go to town and Antonio Williams wants to run like freaking Emmett Smith, like go ahead. <laughs> like that's, that's up to you guys. Like, yes, then that's on the dolphins. Like let's pick off Tagovoya three times. Um, let's, you know, arguably like, like he wasn't doing great. Like there's like, if they draft another quarterback in, in March or April, whatever it is, it's going to be because of this game. Because he did not look like he knew what the hell was going on. Um, Dean Marlowe, I swear to God, like, he dropped, like, two or three interceptions. Or was real close to him. And he already yeah. had two. Yeah, oh, he, he would have had a hat trick easily. There was one that yeah. was right in his hands after he'd had the first two. Yeah, and, and he was he was killing himself. Um, so, yeah, like, he like the Dolphins, like, you know, that was a good Dolphins team. Um, you know, yeah, they didn't have Fitz. And that was kind of, they got two wins, or three wins, really, I think, with Fitz in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming on in relief in two and then as the backup in one. Um, so he, you know, you can say that they're a little dinged and that that might have hurt him a little bit. But, that, you know, that was that was a good defense. That was the number one points allowed defense in the league. And they got they met a real apart. offense. Yeah, <laughs> they, they got ripped apart in that second quarter. And there was not they didn't have any answers. That no. was um, I don't think I've I've seen a team. And again, like. You know, we'll see. You know, things will change in the playoffs. You know, I, I don't know what was going on with the Dolphins or something. Maybe there was something else going on, but they they didn't look like they cared that much. And they should have been they obviously needed to care way more than the Bills did. Mm-hmm. So the defense, I mean, the defense on the Bills side certainly played well enough to win um, a, a solid showing in the first half. Um, you know, they, they, they went to Parker Moore in the second half. But at that point, um, you know, again, the, it was it was Dane Jackson and Josh Norman in there and they gave as well as they they, they took as much as they gave. So, um, you know, no defense played great. Offense played great. Obviously, McKenzie, you know, we'll talk about him in three stars. Obviously, you know, game of his life. You know, it, this is one of those things where you just kind of after the third one, you're like, well, shit. Now someone's going to pay him a billion dollars in the offseason to be number two wide receiver. And he's not a good number two wide receiver. Um, He's probably not going to be cracked up for that. But should he go get paid at some point? Yeah, go get paid. Uh, But then we're going to lose him and that's going to suck. But whatever, we'll have we'll have fond memories of this Sunday uh, in January where where it was Isaiah McKenzie destroys the Dolphins day. So I'll I'll stop there. Yeah, no, um, Paul, I mean. I don't know if you I mean you certainly run the Twitter account and then I jump in when I have something saucy to say about the Bills or an opponent. And I, I you know, I I took Adam Beasley of the, the Dolphins beat to task because he was so adamant to tweet out all these damn, um, you know, point differential things all season up until about, you know, two, three weeks ago. And I would like to know what happened to the point differential uh, scheduled tweets, you know, in that game when they absolutely thrash, as Scott says, a really good defense. Yeah, it was it was funny. It was the point differential was even going into the game. And by the end of the game, it was Bills plus 60 over yeah. the Dolphins. And that would have been worse if not for garbage time touchdowns uh, yeah. by the Dolphins. So it's yeah, it's why point differential is, is meaningless. We'll discuss uh, 
uh, Pythagorean in baseball as well as being meaningless on our other podcast, which we don't have yet, but damn it, we will. It was, this was, yeah, this was the Isaiah McKenzie half for the first, the first half of this game for sure was him getting open for, for touchdowns. Josh, I mean, we talk about him every week. He made some throws again that were just insane, but also smart. They were not insane in the, what are you doing? Why did you think you could throw it there thing? Except the interception, but that was also just a great play by the Dolphins defender to pick that ball off, but just excellent throws. And I half wonder if he was kept in the game longer because he was pissed about that interception. I wonder that too. The McKenzie looked good creating separation. The, all the receivers did. Gabe Davis had his big catches as well. They didn't really need to do much in the running game until the second half when they brought in Antonio Williams and he did what was required in terms of, of killing time. Uh, we could have gotten in for a touchdown on his one catch and that would have set the record. The only record they didn't get was that 14 players with a touchdown record. And man, so close. Taiwan Jones, I'm, I'm looking at you from last week. Yeah, right. But this was... Uh, and as much as you can look at this is why final stats of the game are deceiving. Like the bills outrushed the dolphins and the dolphins outpassed the bills based strictly on yardage. Anyone who watches this game knows that it was the bills passing offense that was dominant throughout this. And this, this final score in these stats don't nearly do justice to what a great job. I think that the defense did as well throughout the game that they, they had a pick six. So credit to Josh Norman for possibly his one bills highlight of his career which is, is good for him. And they, they kept the Dolphins at bay all day. They forced a bunch of punts. They forced a bunch of turnovers. They did it without Trey White playing. They did it without Jerry mm-hmm. Hughes playing at all. They did it with a pretty much uh, Poyer and Hyde and, and pretty much everyone who wasn't a defensive tackle, you know, out for the second half while they rotate in guys like A.J. Klein and Tyler Matakevich and whatnot. And they still were like, all right, well, you're not going to move on us until we're up at least 35 to six. And then maybe you can start getting some yardage. And they still outscored them 21 to 13 in the fourth quarter. So this was, it was a throttling. We've never seen the Bills go undefeated against the AFC East. It's something that they've, they've never done. And it was just, uh, and that's now five straight wins over the Dolphins, which is, is great. The last time they beat us was, Charles Clay not quite in, not getting back quite enough to catch that touchdown pass, and this is just it was a joy to watch this game. It it really was, and to highlight some of those records, I mean, Allen breaks the you know Allen over the course of the year has had, and this is a conversation maybe for the off season. Um, they finished second overall in points. Uh, Allen every single season passing record, whether it's completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Yardage, touchdowns, total touchdowns, passing touchdowns. Um, he set them all. Diggs, Diggs destroys both uh, yards and receptions um, in the same season. Becomes the all the first time ever that a Bill has led, um, you know, the entire NFL in receiving. Um, I think I said they finished second in points overall. Tyler Bass. Um, I, I mean, it's a it's an all time passing offense, and a question for the off season. Uh, might be, is this the best offense ever um, for the Bills? And I, I I think that it's maybe the answer is not yes, but I don't think it's like an easy yes or no. I think you do have to talk about it if you want to ha- answer that question. Um, just all around, like a wild game um, and, a, and a wild sequence of events. Uh, I, I lost you, my... Yeah, well, you're, think while you're regaining your thought, I'll... Yes. I'll... 
jump in and note that one thing is funny. This team averaged less than 20 points a game last year. They swapped out one starter and scored over 500 points for the first time in franchise history, which equates to a little more than 31 points per game. Yeah. So just think about that. You swap out one starter and you don't even really you take McKenzie. You don't even take McKenzie off the roster. He just becomes a depth player who yeah. had a great day. A and, great, depth, a great yeah. day. And all of a sudden you're, you are a, you just depend on the development of your young talent and what a, and Oh, also one superstar wide receiver. I shouldn't under undersell that. But, I, I think that that'll go down as like an all time, you know, move. And um, it's exciting that, you know, it works out for the, the, the Vikings on a level too, because you know, the receiver they draft. Yeah. They got a 1400 yard rookie receiver for crying out loud. That's not bad. If you're the Vikings. Not awful, not Stefan Diggs, but not awful. Um, <laughs> You know, the, the the Bills go 13 and three. That ties a franchise record uh, for best record. And as we talk about as we transition to the season in review here, actually, we should do three stars. Um, but I want to set this up for after three stars. I'd like to remind everyone the three losses this year are a Hail Mary um, and a game that was moved three or four times to the Titans to a Tuesday afternoon. And then six days later, they played the uh, defending Super Bowl champs, you know, certainly down offensive and defensive weapons. Because if you remember, this is the time where Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds and um, John Brown are all injured or playing, you know, incredibly hobbled. So those are the three losses for the Bills. And Trey coming, White did miss the Titans game. He did he miss the it. Titans game. And coming down the stretch, these were not close football games. Again, against a quality opponent like the Dolphins, who, um, you know, certainly had a defensive presence and was trying to win the football game, uh, you know, to to win and in it, um, to, to see Buffalo just sort of dismantle teams going down the road. I don't think there's anything false or fake about the Bills this year. I think this, these are all this is an earned record and it is an earned um earned status amongst them to be to be, you know, considered amongst the Super Bowl uh contenders uh if not favorites um but with that said we do have to dispense with the final three stars of the year um scott the regular, the regular season three stars we'll of course get to playoff three stars and we'll get to uh total season three stars and um three stars that were stars um but scott i don't envy your task because there are eight touchdowns in this game and yeah <laughs> no I, I, I mean, that's the thing is because you could like you could almost do six stars and do like three first teamers with a first star and three second teamers with a first star. Mm -hmm. um, but we are not we're we are just going to go straight to the second team. Um, obviously, Allen had uh, a pretty good day at the office, given that he had, you know, uh, you know, 224 yards and three touchdowns in one half of work. Um, yeah. That is that is pretty solid. Um Obviously, the run game was a little more off track, but um, Diggs obviously had, you know, was was having no problems uh, getting open against the the again pretty good Miami corners for the most part. Um, John Brown was as well. Um, but I will go to your third star, who was Dean Marlowe. Dean Marlowe with two big picks um, in the second half to keep the Dolphins at bay. Uh, did have the one tackle, uh, but a guy who's been there really all season had some, again, spot work earlier in the year when both, um, you know, Poyer was dinged, Hyde was out for a little bit. Um, 
another guy who kind of continuing with last week's theme of kind of under undersold Bills heroes uh, this season. Uh, Dean Marlowe certainly kind of qualifies and, and had a great game yesterday, even though he dropped like two or three potential interceptions or was in the area for two or three more um, and, and would have had an all time game uh, with, you know, four or five or something. But um, alas, he ends up with only the third star with his two interceptions. With your second star, you get Antonio Williams coming wow. out squad 12 carries, 63 yards. And two touchdowns and a reception for 20 yards, um, uh, salting the game away late. Um, obviously, the Bills would have won this game regardless of whoever came in there, but it was certainly nice to see someone get off the practice squad and come in and run like a with you know some some violence and some some anger. Um, you like know, a and guy the, who thinks he should be running already. <laughs> yeah. <deep. laughs> and honestly, like I I definitely had some thoughts like that on Sunday. I was kind of like maybe or Monday when I was watching, I was like. I mean, he is a different pace back than Moss and Singletary. Like, Moss and Singletary, like, Moss is certainly a little bigger. I think Singletary is a little shiftier, but they kind of have similar styles. They're not breakaway Mm -hmm. speed guys. They're not really, like, Moss kind of sometimes will put his head down and run like a power back. But he he doesn't run straight at guys and run just kind of one step and go kind of kind of running and I think that adds a different element I think I feel like sometimes Moss and Singletary are a little too complementary of each other's or a little too uh, identical in their attribution run game so I like seeing Williams in there Um, obviously he had a nice job Um, you know again getting into the end zone uh, no fumbles um, good day at the office for someone again who hasn't seen the field at all this year Um, certainly not for the Bills I don't know if he got touches anywhere else Um, and then uh, first star We'll go to the man, the myth, the legend, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, also was on his way to a pretty decent afternoon uh, in the first half with three touchdowns, um, none on the ground, which is odd because that's normally actually where he does uh, a lot of his damage. Um, he had the two um, reverses or end arounds, whatever they were, um, but they did not get him in the end zone. But the uh, six catches, 65 yards uh, on the nine targets. A nice job. He did have uh, one drop. Hopefully, we'll get get a little better at that. Um, but doing some some good work uh, out of the slot with Beasley out. Um, a guy stepping up when we need him. Uh, obviously, Beasley's status still TBD for Saturday, so we could need some more of Isaiah McKenzie. And then obviously had the big uh, punt return touchdown of 84 yards, uh, which I think was the first one. What they're saying, seven years. Something? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Marcus Thigpen against Green Bay, I guess. Yeah, wow. so that's uh, of course we all remember that. <laughs> you were gonna bet who was gonna get the first uh, special teams touchdown in uh, seven years. You would have not bet Isaiah McKenzie. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. his first special teams game of the year. I think you know first game of the year playing on special teams mm-hmm. made the most of it. I told Alan, don't worry about it. I'm gonna get a touchdown. Alan said, go get it. Yeah, he did. He got it. No, it was good. I think guys, yeah, I might need to see some more times on special teams. Um, uh, so yeah, and those are your uh, those are your three stars among many for the Buffalo Bills. I love it. I love that you all the uh, the also rans. It, it was a game of, of backups eventually, and I love that they all won your awards here. So we'll be we returned to our normal uh, normal programming this 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 week. I think I, I would I, imagine if 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 Antonio Williams, Dean Marlowe. And uh, Isaiah McKenzie are your three stars on Sunday uh, or when we do the pod next week. Um, I don't know. I feel pretty good about this team's chances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, or or things have gone horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> exactly. 
and I'm and I'm sick and tired of talking about football. So I just want to relive the Dolphins game for another week. Right. Uh, well, you know, thank you again, Scott. You know, communist Scott spread comrade Scott spreading the stars wealth this week to the 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 less than less thans. Um, but they they certainly didn't play like less thans. From we each mentioned according to his ability to each according to their need. Precisely. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's talk about this season. I mean, I, I mentioned the 13-3 and record. I had talked about uh, blowing teams out. I had mentioned their three losses. Um, Paul, let's turn to you. I had noticed, I mean, I think a lot of people are making um, some hay, and, and perhaps rightfully so, about the first half bills versus the second half bills. Uh, they certainly certain, you know, they, they, they were a good team in the first half, and I think they, they transitioned to a great team in the second half. Um, but do you want to mention that, talk about that, or any other... Yeah, fully, fully uh, agree. I'll, I'll slightly redivide it up and say instead of the the first half bills versus the last half bills, I'll say I'll I'll use the bye week as a definition of a half, even though they played ten games before mm-hmm. the bye and six games after. I think that's I, what I was thinking too. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that'll be because that to me was such a huge turning point. Was the that that Hale Murray play was just crazy. We sometimes and for longtime listeners know that after the bye week. When the bye week comes up, usually we take the week off after the game, and then we podcast after the bye week and before the next game. There have been a couple occasions, and this year ended up being one of them, where the game was so important to talk about that we podcasted right after, shortly after that game, a day or two after that game, and then took the next week as our bye week. And the, I felt like I was hitting on the same themes I would always hit on there, inability to put teams away in the third quarter when that opportunity was there, the inability to, you know, go on the road and, you know, beat a team that's a a tough team to beat on the road in Arizona. Uh, I felt that was a problem. I felt Josh having what was at that point, his one of his bottom three games of the season, and then was also stayed as one of his bottom three games of the season and turned over the ball at an opportune times. And I felt so much of that was there that game. And we just, We'd seen this be a much better offense, but in terms of overall result, they'd seemed like they were going to be a mere reflection, a mirror reflection of the 2019 Bills, because at that time they were seven and three. The second half, it's like the everything clicked. That bye week, they're like, okay, how do we fix these issues up the middle in our running game? Boom. No one was able to really run effectively long-term versus Buffalo, even though so there were some chunk yards picked up here and there. They there were no third quarter issues. I don't think they got outscored in a single third quarter in the last six games. And someone can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I do not believe that that happened. I had complained that they weren't putting teams away, and so these fourth quarters we weren't seeing Barkley, weren't seeing the other teams back up. That happened at least three times in the last six games where they got so out of hand that the Bills or their opponent or both had put in their backup quarterback. Didn't matter if it was a a good team like the Dolphins. Uh, an in-between team like the the Patriots or, or a bad team like the Chargers, whoever they were playing, uh, the Steelers is a good example too, which I will call still a good yeah. team, uh, despite some of their struggles in the second half. They they made that transition is which is my complaint that they were a good team, but I wasn't ready to call them a great team. They are a great team. They beat all comers. They had a higher winning percentage against. Uh, winning teams, and I believe pretty much everyone else. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, this is the best team we've seen, certainly, as uh, since we've been podcasting together. It's the best team at the very least since the 90s. <clears throat> and it was really something to see how once that bye week hit, 
it's like, okay, we know we're a good team. Can we be great? And the answer ended up being yes. I just, before we go to Scott, um, I mean, Dion Dawkins had talked about that specific game in his player Players Tribune. I don't know if you guys had read it. And he said that the feeling was so different because so many times they had that game would have gutted them. And he said the prevailing feeling on the sideline was like, all right, you got us. And like, we don't have any concerns that we are a bad team or we can't bounce back from this. And so I just thought that was an interesting note. Perhaps it's revisionist history because he writes it at the end of the season. But he went, he put his neck out there to say that. Scott, what do you what do you want to highlight from the season this year? I don't know. Do we have our our predictions for the season? Because I know nobody picked thirteen and three. Yeah. I was the most bullish, I think. But I yeah, I'd have to check, and I've got it on my other computer. I was thinking eleven or twelve wins was pretty pretty crazy. And yeah, I think I think I had this. I don't think I had this. I think I had this at like uh, you know eleven and five at yeah. best. I think two. I had us at eleven and five. I remember as well. But none of us had us at thirteen and three. Right. Yeah. No. That, I mean, no. I mean, obviously, the season kind of wildly outperformed expectations. I think. Um, I kind of break it down into three seasons, and I have a different kind of set of turning points. I mean, for me, the 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 first the first season was kind of the the first four weeks, kind of the happy times. You know, the you know the teams you know comes out like gangsters. Allen's playing out of his mind. You know, we're, we're the new kids on the block. Everyone's kind of like, look at the Bills, and and there's um, you know there's excitement. Um, but I, I'd say the team may not have been as mature enough to, um, you know, the, the, the film hadn't kind of gotten out there. They hadn't been through the rough patch that, you know, they had to know was coming, but, you know, you never really can mentally prepare yourself and for it until you're there. Um, and then you have kind of the rough patch, which I would kind of call the next four games of uh, the loss to the Titans, the loss to the Chiefs, you know, a, a gutted out win against the Jets, and then a gutted out win against the Patriots in which they beat two teams that finished with, you know, losing records by a total of 11 points. Um, obviously a completely different team than the team that we saw for me after that, which really started the Seahawks week, the week after with the big 44 34 win, which wasn't really as honestly as close as that score um, where they took what we all kind of agreed at the time was a good Seahawks team, a playoff team, you know, a team that made the playoffs in the NFC. I forget um, they're, they're 12 and four and they dismantled them for the most part at home. Um, you know, it was, uh, a great game against Wilson, a great quarterback. It was a great game in Allen putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, the whole kind of, um, team putting the, putting everything together and then going into the Cardinals game. Yeah, they lost that one, but as they said, you know, they, they, they didn't really feel like they, you know, they got us on the last play. You know, we played okay. Allen certainly could have had played better. But ultimately, uh, I, I was I was pretty tough on him. I think after that game, but in the grand scheme of things, that was not the beginning of uh, an Allen of a return to bad Josh Allen. That was potentially the last blip on the radar. Um, and then it was clear sailing pretty much after that. Obviously, with the Chargers game, we had you know focus more on the run defense. Then we kind of or on the run game, and then after that, we kind of we found all the, uh, the defense came to play that week. Um, you know, all the rest of the the season was them becoming increasingly mature, figuring out how to put together for all four quarters, figuring out how to put the whole team together, the identity of the team as kind of like a pass first team that does have some run balance, but also with a defense that can be dangerous, can take the ball away, um, can 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 confuse 
other offenses and put them in positions they don't want to be in, um, even if it's not as dominant as what we'd seen in years past. So those that's how I view the evolution of this team. And that's why, you know, I, I kind of in hindsight see the, the logic of keeping especially the offensive starters in there and rolling um, just because they have been on such a, a huge kind of swell the last couple weeks. And hopefully, um, you know, we get through whatever these injuries to Beasley are, because that was really what it was. And that was the other thing that, you know, again, I didn't really talk as much about in that, that the doldrums there, obviously playing two good teams is part of that, but the injuries were a big part of that as well. Um, and having all those guys back and getting the ball back in line um, is certainly something that, you know, is obviously going to be important going forward. Um, I agree. I think that I remember the, I think the Seahawks game is a very nice turning point. And I think the you know, you, you think about the it's the next week is Arizona and it's and so it, it does create a divide in some ways the way that Paul is seeing it. But that was the first time that I think a lot of football people were saying, OK, Bills, what are you going to do now? Right. Like, here are the Seahawks. Let's see what you got. And they, they did show up. I mean, there's no argument there. And really, if if they don't hit the 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 Hail Mary, you're talking about one of the all time great drives that the the bills have ever you know one of the all-time great you know game-winning drives that um uh, allen Allen gets at the the end it's like a forgotten great play yeah Yeah. um so i think they're they're all really good things i think that we'll spend more time talking about the season after you know the second season as coach calls it um ends and uh you know in, in the in the interim we will talk about the bills uh against the colts both uh, Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs practice today. They are listed as questionable. I did a little research on questionable. Of course, it doesn't have any official meaning um, other than, uh, I guess, 50-50 chance of playing. Um, they've gotten rid of probable, which is no longer a designation, so you can't list somebody as probable. Um, Diggs, we're not entirely sure when he might have hurt himself. He did get shook up in the in the Dolphins game. Beasley, obviously, at the end of the of the week before against the Patriots, he takes a stupid freaking hit at the end of the game. Um, but both of them practiced today. Both of them listed as questionable. Um, you know, and Diggs went as far, I don't know if I said this, Diggs went as far as to say that he's fine. Um, and so McDermott walked that back a little, but we'll see. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the... Um, the questionable receivers, uh, or is this uh, Belchekian uh, levels of gamesmanship, as I as I might have alluded it, it, to? It could be either or. Uh, I think Beasley's injury is certainly more legitimate when he was designated as week to week initially, and just the 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 weight he was not putting on his leg. My concern, I would expect them both to play, even even Beasley. I'm almost positive. I feel almost positive that Diggs will. Will this limit their effectiveness at all? Diggs' injury is an oblique injury. You've got to be able to turn your trunk when you're a wide receiver, yeah. and that's something he does incredibly well. Will that have an impact on on his effectiveness? Will he just be a great receiver instead of you know possibly the best receiver? Mm-hmm. So that is something to pay attention to. So I definitely have these. These aren't the places I would like injuries. Uh, Diggs and Beasley, if I could prefer. Uh, sure, like if Devin Singletary's injury injured, maybe you're going well. Right, <laughs> are we gonna like, run a lot of anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's like great. Well, if we lose one guy who's good at pass protection, is what I would think if we yeah. had Singletary out. But that that would be 
okay. I mean, we got Reggie Gilliam back, and that doesn't do that much to inspire me. No offense at this point to Reggie at this point in his career. So, yeah, they, they concern me from the perspective of how it could limit them. Um, the Colts are uh, an 11-5 and five team. Want to remember to throw in this fast fact before I forget. They would have become the fourth 11-5 and five team in history to miss the playoffs had they not rejiggered the system, the playoff system this year. Uh, to allow yeah. for 17 because the yeah. NFC was just a total trash fire. Uh, so I'm glad the Colts got in. But yeah, I definitely worry that these injuries could have an impact on the game against the best team the Bills will have faced in, you know, well, at least three weeks or so. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's obviously not great. Um, but I, again, this is, if 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 this is what we're worried about, I think we're honestly like, the Colts have their own kind of injury problems. I'll briefly discuss those. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to our kind of game preview stuff. But they announced today that their starting corner, um, Rock Yassin, was out. Now, I will say this. On Colts Twitter, everyone seemed to be celebrating that he was out for Saturday. So that's maybe not a great sign for the Bills. Um, but they all seemed to be fairly confident that the backup carry was TJ Carey was going to be um, just as good, if not better, than their starting corner. So that's one thing. Um, but they also announced that um, their uh, starting strong safety, Kari Willis, would be out. And uh, a backup tackle, Will Holden, would be out as well. This is after they had already put Anthony Costanzo on IR earlier this week. So they are down to um, Chaz Green at left tackle, which is just... Ah, the famous Chaz Green, yes. Um, But there's also, there's actually, it's not even clear that he's going to get the start because they got a guy off the practice squad last week to sub in um, for the game and not go to Chaz Green. And... uh, Veldhelden or something. I don't know. Some practice squad guy. And they all seem to think that he, well, that he might. Uh, yeah, he might he might get another start. So, you know, compared to. Yeah, obviously, if we don't have Diggs and Beasley, that's not great. Um, but, you know, no one's going to be healthy, 100 percent healthy going into this part of the season. So it's not like the Bills are uniquely cursed here. I, I am also not worried. I think Diggs knows that this is you know, we're in the playoffs now. So all those. The, the kind of minor tweaks and things that you rest and baby during the regular season, you know, you, you kind of, you gotta, you gotta play through it. Now we're in the, we're in the final stretch. So. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be any sort of quit on the team either. So I would think that like, if they can go, they're going to go. I think Paul raises a fair question about whether they will be limited. I think one of the nice things about Isaiah McKenzie's game, you know, he did a great job filling in. And apparently he knows all the wide receiver roles. I wouldn't of course want to, um, you know, have him instead of Beasley or Diggs, but he, he certainly, you know, acquitted himself well against, again, a very good, you know, Dolphins defense. This is, it was a legitimate defense that was trying. So I, I, you know, I think that one of the great things is that, you know, I think of all the injuries you could have, these are two pretty minor injuries. We got to see John Brown looked okay. We didn't really talk about him during the game, but he certainly was able to catch a touchdown. Um, So that's good, a good sign. And he, we get him back for the playoffs. Um, and I think honestly, if you're if if you're taking a sober assessment of of the Bills heading into uh, their first home playoff game in 25 years, uh, they're pretty healthy and they're they're firing on all cylinders. And you know, the only sort of question is whether Indianapolis can keep up with them, which we will get to after we briefly address. Uh, let's see, do we have listener questions? I'd like to thank the listeners that reached out to us and wanted to make sure that we were okay and everybody's good. Um, you know, we got into some, uh, we didn't chat too, too much about it, 
but a lot of people were reaching out saying we're hoping you're okay um and we are and uh you know sorry that everything got weird and stupid but again we only control so much here and now i'm trying to see oh um sujit on bills and beers fuck you too there we go he, he took a shot at me i i'll bring it i your whole crew knows that you start shit and apparently you know that's fine he was yelling about some guy named Frank, and nobody knew who the hell he was talking about, and it wasn't me. But then when someone said, oh, I was worried you were talking about Frank from maybe next year, he's like, oh, yeah, fuck him too. So you know what? <laughs> See if I ever show up to the Bills backers of Chicago, pal. Um, let's see who we got. I, I think Jay managed to ask a question. Yeah, and Steven's got a couple in here. All right, we'll get to Steven's questions, and I'll find Jay's. Together All right. With another load of garbage. Great. Oh, Jay, yeah. Now that I'm liquored up enough to face the wrath of Scott— like so so disrespectful uh since the bills backups apparently are the number two team in the afc east did you guys see anything that impressed that had some decent playing time on sunday uh they had some decent playing time on sunday any future starters or trade bait um and we're happy that jay's daughter was born on the 10th i love that jay totally forgot his daughter's birthday. <laughs> he's like i can't watch it it's my daughter's birthday and then this wife or somebody told him no your daughter was born on the 10th and he's like great i can watch the bills on saturday <laughs> um but uh i think we talked about it i think scott's entire three stars were, were, were backups right scott yeah 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 they were all all backups so again the less time spent on jay's ridiculous requests the better obviously uh given that this team is is very um well put together and built um as a cohesive unit by Coach Sean McDermott and General Manager Brandon Bean. I have no interest in any of these guys being traded until such time as the team loses, and then I will determine who and, and when they can all be removed. So um, another insane, stupid question from Jay. And um, yes, no, obviously it looked like Williams was 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 nice. I think he's someone who I'd like to see more of in terms of like maybe sprinkling him in with carries. Like I think we'd get more out of him than Yeldon on some level who we barely have gotten anything out of all season for the most part. Um, and then obviously like, I think Gabe Davis is someone who obviously will be grooming for a long-term role under the theory that we are unlikely to be able to keep Diggs Brown and Beasley on the team forever. Um, that is someone that we're going to probably hope uh, given his kind of team friendly fourth round status, um, we can hopefully try and lock him into some kind of team friendly things. Cause I think he's, He's obviously got all the skills on some level to be a, a long-time receiver in the league. Um, it was also good to see the offensive line continue to play well, even with a lot of backups in there. Um, I was a little the, – the defensive secondary and linebackers seemed okay. It was nice to see Matikavich out there um, getting some run. Um, obviously, I already talked about Marlowe. But um, I was a little disappointed that the, the, I felt like the defensive line didn't really quite um, have as much um, success as I was hoping because those guys are all – regular rotating guys on the starting line so they should all have a bit more experience and a bit more um you know kind of juice and the drop-off should have been less going to the backup defensive line but i wasn't really seeing a lot from epinesa um, zimmer had one or two nice plays uh phillips uh, didn't really flash much so i would have liked to seen a little more from them yeah i think scott mentioned most of the guys i was going to mention i'll I'll note the extra thing on Antonio Williams. We're going to have him, Moss, Singletary, and Wade next year. Yeldon will be an unrestricted free agent. I think you, if you're comfortable with Williams and, hey, maybe even Wade, 
maybe someone like Singletary becomes a trade bait guy if you don't feel he's developing in his third season. They did the same thing with Zay Jones. It is not something they hesitate to do, and that worked out uh, well. They also did it with Wyatt Teller, which hasn't worked out well because now Wyatt Teller is really good, but uh, who knows if he would have developed is, is a bill. The one guy Scott didn't mention that I want to call out was, was Jaquan Johnson had a really good game. It was a quiet game. It was a free safety, and if you're a free safety and you're not hearing your name much, that means you're probably having a pretty good game. And why I want to mention that is we're about to get to the point where you're going to be paying a franchise quarterback in year five, whether that's the, uh, you know, fifth year option salary or an extension salary. And then Micah Hyde, maybe a luxury you can't afford since he becomes a free agent at the end of next year. And they're going to have to start making some of these decisions. So, you know, the emergence of someone like Johnson can really help uh with that that decision maybe they'll have some depth to trade from even if they're if they're comfortable rolling with Johnson next year might be Micah Hyde who's still playing extremely well uh becomes trade bait because you can get value for him but yeah interesting good to see all the backups doing as well as they did and and what it could mean for the future are there any playoff records that Josh can break this weekend uh from Grant Uh, you know I didn't look into it certainly winning is a good start uh my guess is that there is a you know, I don't remember Kelly, Kelly ever having like a 400-yard passing day in the playoffs. I think I would remember that. He did. Possibly. It was actually his, in okay. fact, it's going to come up in uh, the State and Bills headlines. Oh, good to know. Okay, so the, the short answer is, Grant, as I'm sure there are. I have not looked into any let's, of them. Let's let's not break the greatest comeback ever one because I no. don't really want to. I don't want to deal with that on Saturday. Like no. it'd be great Too to much win either. Or, yeah, either but, way, let's not be on either end of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Steven probably would be more efficient for Scott to name the handful of people who aren't worthy of mention. Uh, that probably was true, Steven, the unmentionable <laughs> as it were, uh, which would be worse losing in the first round or losing Steven in the, super- to the podcast. I'm confused. Yeah. He's yeah. I don't know. Uh, Steven, which would be worse losing in the first round or losing in the super bowl to Tom Brady when Tyler Bass last second field goal attempt goes wide, right. And on this tweet alone, I feel like we should block Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Steven should be reported to Twitter for hate speech and absolutely put that evil out here. I don't know why he would put that evil out there. Um, no, this year it would be worse to lose in the first round. I wholly agree. If they make the, the Super Bowl, they're so far ahead of schedule, um, despite all the trigger warnings and, and, and like the, the coma that it probably put us all in. Uh, I feel better about the Bills team, you know, advancing to the Super Bowl uh, to win their fifth AFC championship than I would um, uh, them. Absolutely. You would have to absolutely lay an egg this first round. And it's in my mind to lose to Indianapolis this week. Do you guys have comments on that or or should we go to the state of Bills headlines and just, you know, Uh, I'd like to second your hex. I would say it would depend on the first round exit. It would, if we were, uh, you know, in it the whole way and it was some bizarre, you know, kind of whatever, you know, missed field goal or, or some weird dumb stupid penalty that costs us the game. And then the Colts go on to, to get to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too put out by that um, compared to the, 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 the darkest timeline as, as Steven kind of laid out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, but given, given that, yeah, that seems pretty unlikely. I think I'd be much more likely to, uh, to go along with the theory that we got a good young team and this, this isn't going to be their last hopefully. So. Okay. Yep. I agree fully with Frank and with the caveat that if they do lose Super Bowl to Brady, when Bass misses a field goal wide, right. Uh, don't talk to me in February. 
That's yeah. No, literally, Stephen. If you, if this comes true, you are you are he's blocked. He's done. Uh, <laughs> Mentamori, as the as the ancient Romans might say. Leave your account. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's the end of that. Um, all right, let's do this day in Bill's headlines, and then we'll talk hey. about the the Colts game. All right. So I was going to this isn't a headline, but I did want to mention that this was 31 years ago. Today is the anniversary of my favorite game, uh, the Bills that the Bills lost. That is mm. a 34 to 30 playoff game to the Browns where Jim Kelly had his only 400 yard pass day, not oh. playoffs or regular season. That was this day 31 years ago. Uh, and Thurman Thomas caught 13 passes for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And Reed wow. also went over 100 yards. It was a crazy game that we most remember for Rodney Harmon dropping an, an easy pass in the end zone that would have won the game, then Kelly throwing a pick to Clay Matthews on the next play. But uh, yep, It's also the last time that Cleveland and Buffalo as cities have made the playoffs Yep, together in the same year. Right. That was it was a classic, too. I was I'm kind of glad they're both back. I got a lot of Browns friends, so glad to see them uh, get there. And also, I'm glad to see them get there. It means the Jets now have the longest playoff drought. And that is that is how it should be. All right. Uh, we're going to go all the way back to 2020 for this headline. I don't know what you remember about 2020. So hopefully this this will help. Mm. Locker room clean out themes and thoughts from one Bill's drive. So this is three answers here, guys. Running black, running back blank discussed the possibility of retirement today. One of his offensive linemen, blank, was in a contract year this year. On the other side of the ball, blank's fifth year option wasn't picked up coming into the season. All three of them had no guarantees, but return to Buffalo sounds like an option across the board, at least on their end. So that's Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Yep. Um, it's probably Shaq. Shaq, Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson. And so now you just need the offensive lineman. I think it was in his contract here. Um, was it? I, no. Um, I'll give a big hint that he was the only one of the three to, in fact, re-sign with the team. And that he's no longer with the team. Oh. Quentin Spain. Quentin Spain, yep. Signed to do a two-year extension, I think, and then ended up stuff happened that we'll never know about, and they cut him. All right. Uh, 2019. I will give the warning off the bat that the title of the, the, the person in this headline uh, was never built, never played for the Bills at any point, but I really wanted to kind of highlight this quote. Blank thinks people will look back and say Josh Allen should have been number one. I think Josh Allen has the highest ceiling, which probably everybody thinks because of the size and the speed and the arm strength. But I think in five or six years, you're going to look back and go, man, he should have maybe been number one. Sam's probably right where he was at number two and Baker's a little bit further down the list. I just feel like Baker's reached his potential maybe. And now he's a rookie and that's hard to say, but he's played in a ton of big, ga big games. He's played a ton of football. You look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen has not played a lot of football, but Josh Allen is a physical freak. I mean, he was their leading rusher and leading passer. How often does that happen? Mind you, this I'm, was after Josh's rookie season. This guy said this. I mean, obviously, that was this podcast because we were so bullish and correct <laughs> yes. on Josh Allen. I'll give, um, I'll give one. Oh, wait, hold on. Don't give a – I want to make a real okay. guess okay. because right. I remember Phil Simms had a lot of nice things to say about Josh Allen, so I want to guess Phil Simms. I'll go, I'll go Kuiper. Kuiper seemed to always be on the, the Allen train. All right. Those are both good guesses. Uh, Frank is closer because he picked it is a former player and he picked the correct position of that player. All right. So a former quarterback. All right. Yep. Um, I'll, give, I'll give some teams and some years and that, okay. that's help too, but it won't give it away. Quarterback for the Bengals, Raiders and Cardinals between 2003 and 2017. who is was a three time pro bowler. 
Hmm. Carson Palmer? Yes, Carson Palmer. Scott, well you done. my last hit about the Heisman winner, number one overall, and that his brother is Josh's personal QB coach. Hmm. All right. That's uh, right. 2018, Jaguars linebacker blank never wanted to leave the Buffalo Bills. Oh, Paul Puzlesny. Paul Puzlesny. I won't even read the rest of this. Good job, Frank. Well done. All right. 2010, so 11 years ago, Bills fly to Minnesota to interview defensive boss. Members of the Buffalo Bills will fly to Minnesota Thursday to interview Vikings defensive coordinator blank for the Bills' vacant head coaching position, FoxSports.com has learned. Vikings coach Brad Childress confirmed Blank's interview with the Bills while addressing the media. Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier, you guys today, man. On fire. <clears throat> Had to take my water early. All right. 2005. Blank wants to restructure his contract. Blank wants to end his career as a Buffalo Bill and will do what it takes to takes with his contract to stay with the organization. Blank told the WGR Morning Show on Thursday that there have been already been talks with the Bills this week about restructuring and extending his deal. I don't want to be one of those guys that says I need all the money in the world because I've made a lot of money in this league. I'd like to finish my career here and finish what was started. Uh, I will give the hint that he did spend one more season with the Bills in 05, uh, but then he did spend 2006 with the Texans and 2007 with the Titans before his career ended. Hmm. Hmm. Drafted by the Bills originally in 1996. Uh, Aaron Schobel? No, good no, guess. He retired as a Bill, yeah. He did retire as a Bill, yeah. And that was, oh, he, just, he retired in, I think, later. Cool. Yeah, it yeah. was later. Okay. Um, I will, yeah, I'll wait to give this hint. I'll give you guys at least two more seconds to think here. Hmm. Is it a linebacker? Nope, not a linebacker. In fact, here's a hint I will give that we have we have heard his name quite a lot in the last few weeks uh, as we've watched many of his records fall. Oh, uh, Eric Molds. Eric Molds. There we go. Good job, Frank. All right. Um, <clears throat> this one is another one that I think is fairly easy, but it's, again, kind of a fascinating quote. Um, 2000, so 21 years ago, blank. Blast bills on internet site. Hey, hey guys, remember the internet? <laughs> the internet that is was, that, that thing around? Huh. That thing yeah. still around? I wonder. I guess you used, people used to write articles on the on internet sites and stuff. It was it was oh. nuts. All right. Uh, Blank's frustration over his role in the Buffalo Bills has boiled over on his internet site. Blank and many other pro athletes. Can, I'm not making that up. And many other pro athletes contribute weekly diary entries to a website called AthleteDirect.com. Blake's mm. journal entry for Tuesday detailed the displeasure he felt after reaching career milestones in the Bills game against the against Indianapolis Sunday. It wasn't just a happy moment for me, but also frustration, his journal said. The five balls I didn't catch weren't even roots, and that just makes me look bad like they have to give me charity throws. They've just been throwing me bones to keep me happy, but I'm not happy at all. I think the franchise realizes that, and they know I don't want to be here anymore. It's obvious that I'm not in their future plans, and I can't subject my family or myself to that anymore. It's time for me to move on. Believe me, I'll be happier. I was not a happy football player this year. It was very miserable going to work every day. You may have heard that I'm not on speaking terms with Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie has changed as a person over one year, and Joe Pendry has had a plan for me from day one. You don't do that, people, because it comes back to bite you. Now, mind you, this was two days before the playoff game against the Titans. This is not a postseason rant. Yikes. Yeah. Hmm. So, got a context in that oh. quote. Hopefully, it helps. Yeah. 
I mean, because Moulds would have been one of the receivers, but it's obviously not him. Right. We just RJ. had him, so yeah. Um, and I yeah, think. Pro- what year is this again? I'm sorry, I lost it. Yeah. 2000. January Price of 2000. Is the- Price, Price is, is not there yet. He's no, Price there. isn't there yet. That's 2001. Right. Yeah. Um, is this Bucky Brooks? Is he still there? He's oh, he's yep. long gone. Gone, yeah. Um, Quinn Early. Great guess, but but not Quinn. Mm. This was he got his wish, by the way. The, the Titans game was his last game with the uh, with the Bills. Nikolai Ceausescu. <laughs> I'll give I'll give the huge hint. It was the end of his career with the Bills after he played with the team for 16 seasons. Was it Reed? It was Reed. It was Andre Reed. I forgot wow. how big that divorce wow. was. When Blame wow. on. Yep. Uh, yeah. Now he's a huge one of, of the Bills. All right. 1997. Uh, Bills face uncertain future. By the way, what's going to be great if we can get a playoff run going is it's going to be so much harder to get headlines. And I had to go back to the <laughs> 90s for three of these this time. Um, and that'll continue if things continue to go well. Breaking up is hard to do, especially for a successful NFL team. But the Bills are facing that prospect after being knocked out of the playoffs in the first round by the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. Two days after the game, Blank, one of eight players who stayed together for the team's four trips to the Super Bowl, announced his retirement. Quarterback Jim Kelly is likely to be next. Kent Hall? Kent Hall. Good job. Mm-hmm. Well done. Nice job. All right. 1992. Bills get redemption, chance to defend. And there goes our smoke alarm. I've got to mute myself for a second. Woo! I uh, thought it was Frank's uh, washing machine. No, that's long over. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Seems, seems to have settled down uh, at my wife. Uh, this is oh, a play, play of my wife fanning the smoke detector to try and get the smoke to go away so it doesn't go off again during this. I wish we had the video on We specifically didn't do the podcast yesterday <laughs> to avoid this. Yep. That, that we, there, there was some cooking, but she's cooking, I believe, a delicious salmon, so I am not going to complain because I will get to enjoy that. All right. Bill, 1992, Bills get redemption, chance to defend. The turnaround for the Buffalo Bills was quick and complete. Embarrassed three months ago in a regular season game in Kansas City, the Bills scored a 37-14 to playoff victory here today over the Chiefs that lifted them into the AFC title game for the second year in a row. In contrast to this season's earlier meeting, which Kansas City won 33 to 6, the Bills had defensive stalwarts Bruce Smith and Blank available on the line and limited the Chiefs to a 3.2 average on 24 rushes. And there are sirens in the background now. Of course there are. Um, I'm glad I went out and experienced that loss in Kansas City, said Blank. All those tomahawk chops, all that noise, but our crowd was better. Berg said to me that Seattle was loud, but this place was crazy. Eight minutes before halftime, Blank's helmet put DeBerg out of the game. On the follow-through after his fifth completion and nine passes, DeBerg sprained his right thumb and missed the rest of the game. So defensive stalwart is your clue, and he had some the comments about Kansas City. Um, and he so obviously is a guy who rushes lineman, the pass. Lineman, yeah, with, with, yeah. with Smith. Um, yes. Lineman, okay. So Phil Hansen? Phil's a good guess. He was with the team at this point, but it was not Phil. Okay. In fact, I believe this was Phil's rookie year. So we're going to go on the interior line, if that is helps. This Fred, is this Fred Smurless? And I always forget that he was nope, kind nope. of around. You, you would, you, this is the guy who replaced Smurless, actually. So you are you are one degree from Fred Smurless. So you have Hanson. They were running a 3-4. You had Hanson on one side. You had Smith on the other. And you had this guy in the middle with uh, Bennett, Tally, Collin, and then Bentley behind them. Uh, 
This is before Ted Washington? Before Way, Ted yeah. Washington. And why? Yeah. You've gotten the guy who succeeded this guy <laughs> and the guy who preceded this guy. Um, he played for the Bills for a while. I will give the exact years in a second here. Um, he shares a name with an actor, so I'm going to have to re-Google this name to give you the years. Eric, um, Eric Clapton, did you say? Eric. <laughs> Honecker. He no. was the he was the dictator in Eastern Germany for a while. Oh, uh, and I yeah, think he dictators was... left and right today. Yeah, 1998 to 1994. So he played that seven seasons with the Bills. 1988 to 1994. 88 to 94. Okay. And he started. He played six. He played 98 games and started 67. And he was their starting uh, nose tackle for his last five seasons with the team. And I. To me, he's a reason he, they lost Super Bowl because he wasn't a big guy. Is it? Does this guy have a J in his name? He does. Yes. Is this Jim Jeffcoat? No, but that's another good. That is yeah, another exterior defensive tackle for the Bills. You guys are doing great at naming right. random defensive tackles right. who played for the Bills. In the 90s. I think we got to move on. Yeah. All right. It's uh, Jeff Wright. Jeff Wright. Okay, I remember Jeff Wright. Sorry, Jeff. That's not that sorry. Uh, no, don't be. Like I said, he was 272 pounds and playing nose tackle, and the Giants ran right down his throat in the Super Bowl. All right, last one, 1989. Blank planning to rejoin Bills. Blank, a Pro Bowl linebacker sideline for the last six weeks with a foot injury, practiced with the Buffalo Bills today and said he would start in the American Football Conference title game against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Blank suffered a severely strained right arch on November 20th and missed most of the team's last four regular season games. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm not going to come up with this one. AP NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 1987. He was a round one pick by the Bills out of Penn State. Penn State. Shane Conlon? Shane Conlon. That guy. Okay, there we go. I didn't. I would not have thought of him as a first round pick, but I like Shane Conlon. Okay. I forgot to mention one funny tidbit from the last game, and then our segment is done. Uh, talking about the Chiefs' victory in the AFC uh, divisional round, the exclamation point for Bills was applied by kicker Scott Norwood after the last of his three field goals from the memory jolting distance of 47 yards provide a 30 to 7 lead. Norwood mimicked the Chiefs' tomahawk chop, then with his thumb offered a "You're out of here" hand gesture. I wish I remembered that. I really right? wish I remembered that. Uh, that's some Tyler Bass shit right there. And <laughs> that was this day in Bills headlines for January sixth. Wow. I yeah no I I I want to see that. I kind of want to see Scott Norwood do that. Yeah. Um, he was a, okay. he's kind of a timid guy, and I guess he just did the tomahawk chop and then turned it into a thumb thumb out sort of gesture. He was feeling good. Okay, so this is weird because the the line is six and a half points for the Bills. The predicted score is 36 to 16, and they say Buffalo win cover and the spread will go over. Um, so I don't know why the – I mean, look, six and a half points is a lot for a playoff game. I think that's what it boils down to, and Buffalo is still – Buffalo is a proven commodity as a team. God, a great time to get the burps. Uh, <laughs> but an unproven com a commodity in the playoffs for quite a while. So I think maybe that's why there's – money there you know there's people who will definitely come out and, and expect same old bill i mean there's got to be people out there that are, are saying same old bills somewhere that are willing to belt the colts um with this so the the, the pick segment is over uh, i made an executive decision uh, by fiat to basically tell the guys nobody's picking against the bills in the playoffs uh regardless of who they're playing or how if they're 
crazy injured or anything. doesn't matter. We're not doing that. That's This is not the time for that. This is the time that we are all in on the Buffalo Bills and we want to enjoy it. And I don't want anybody's analytical mind working too much to try and figure that out. I, what I want is uh, to talk about the game. And I want, you know, basically the guys and me to talk about who will win the game. No, sorry, who will win? I just did it. No. Uh, how, the other WHO word, um, H-O-W, how the Bills will win. And if they're going to lose, how is it going to happen? Um, Indianapolis, I think the things that they're saying, the kind things that they're saying are they're a balanced team. They certainly have a very good running back. They have a veteran quarterback who's certainly passed his prime in regards to all the things that Philip Rivers used to be able to do, but he's not like hopeless. Um, and they have a good defense despite or, or decent defense, certainly not Miami's defense, uh, despite the the uh, the the loss of the players uh, mentioned by Scott. So I want to turn to Scott first. Scott, I'm with you. I want you to tell me uh, how you think the Bills win this football game. Uh, and then if it's going to happen, how you know what I, or, or if you want to put it this way, what are you most worried about Indianapolis being able to do to Buffalo? Sure. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I have done a fair bit of research on the Colts this week. I actually watched. You actually had their injury report ready to go. I had their injury report ready. I, I watched much of the Jaguars game from Sunday. Um, I've been on over on their some of their blogs, kind of reading the the lay of the land, etc. Um, so, I am fairly confident um, the Bills have a lot of ways to to win this game. Um, you know, there are going to be. The, the 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 Colts are a good team. They, they you know obviously you know we're not in the NFC. There are no bad teams in the playoffs here, um, and there are um, there's going to be issues because the Colts are are have a good offensive line, and uh, they've got a good defense, and they are certainly going to try and you know the, the way that they have to play it is the is the you know the Super Bowl 25 recipe the the early New England Patriots recipe um whatever you want to call the Bills it. recipe against the Chiefs yeah yes. the, well, the, the I want to talk about that later but yes um yes. and and that that is a legitimate way to win this game that that is that is a that is a qualifying theory of victory if you will of if we do if you're the Colts and you do x y and z that's how you win the Bills, however, have a lot of different ways they can do that because they can score 28 points in the first half. They can score 28 points in the second half. Um, they can score 56 points altogether. Um, they can pitch uh, a, a, a show up and bow up on defense like they did against Derrick Henry and hope that, um, you know, they don't because that was the thing. I mean, if you want if you're the Bills, you would point to the Titans game as one where you're worried about that because we spent arguably obviously there were a lot of issues as frank's pointed out with that titans game you know rescheduled you know weird uh, injuries you know a couple times covid stuff a lot going on got it um but we did stop henry but Tannehill and aj brown kind of blew the doors off the rest of the defense and we we, we weren't really um in that game after the, in, in the second half um that is obviously i don't think the colts are capable of doing that I think that even though T.Y. Hilton's a good receiver, I'm not sure that he is A.J. Brown at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little older. He's still dangerous. But if if you're asking me, can Trey White take uh, T.Y. Hilton out of the game? Yeah, I think he can do that for the most part. Um, I think the I think Phil Rivers 
isn't as good as Tannehill, which is weird to say. Um, but I think certainly in the playoffs, we haven't seen a lot from Phil Rivers to make you think that he's going to put this all together. And the Bills, uh, again, as I said, um, on uh, with their offense going against the the Kansas, the uh, excuse me, the Indianapolis defense. Um, Indy's basic premise is they're going to run. You know, DeForest Buckner's played great this year. Darius Leonard's played great this year. They're both kind of All-Pro candidates. Um, they should have been. Uh, I think Leonard was actually a snub for the Pro Bowl, but I, I think everyone kind of agrees that that he should have been in there if he wasn't. Or Buckner, I forget who it was, but they, they both should have made it. Um, they obviously have Xavier Rhodes on the back end, but after that, you do start to see them getting a little thin with the injuries as well as everything else. Um, obviously the bills just lit up Miami. Um, so there's a lot of ways for the bills to win this game, to score the points they're going to need to score. I think if the bills get to 30, I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to get to 30. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think the defense will, will do enough to slow down, uh, the Colts here and there. Um, I, I am, you know, I think there is a way the Colts can win the game, can win the game, but I, I just don't think that's too likely based on how the they team. they can win the game too. Yes. They sure can. My 1940s movie. Ash, eh? Um, yes. Do you do you? Uh, speaking of Rivers being better than Tannehill, are we are we are we rooting for Pittsburgh at this point because we ultimately don't want to see the winner of Baltimore, Tennessee, or do you do you want to do you prefer one of them over Pittsburgh. And then, and then Paul, feel free to, if yeah. you have any thoughts on that, let me know. That's all. And if you don't want to answer, don't answer. Yeah, let me think about that. Why don't Paul? Okay, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, I think if it's, I, well, let's put it this way. If Pittsburgh wins, we play Pittsburgh no matter what, correct? Because yes, they're exactly. the highest remaining seed. If uh, but if they, you, if they, yeah, if they yeah. lose to Cleveland, though, we're playing, yeah, we're going to have to play Tennessee or Baltimore. Who's, or Baltimore. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, go Steelers is my response to to that because we match up fairly well against the Steelers, even though I think they will not be uh, as easy and out as they were in the second half of that that Sunday night game a few weeks ago. Scott did just an excellent job outlining where the Colts' strengths and weaknesses are and how this team wins and loses the the game in that respect. I won't go into quite a, a deep and individual analysis because Scott is obviously the better researched one on this topic. I will say, yeah, if they the Colts' avenue to winning this game is to control possession in this game, to take advantage of any Bills' mistakes, to try and force turnovers wherever possible. I mean, it's it's pretty exhibit A sort of stuff on mm-hmm. beating a team whose firepower you can't match. And that is definitely there. And also the key, I think, for the Colts is get in early. Don't, don't, don't fall behind. You saw what happened to Miami when they fell behind and they had become pass-heavy. And our smoke detector went off. Um, That's because your take is so hot, Paul. That take is so hot that the smoke detector just can't can't handle it. So, yeah, with with that in mind, um, how do the Bills win? The Bills just have to play their game. They are a better team. There's a reason they are a six and a half point favorite in this game. The playoffs can end. Playoffs are crazy. It can end instantaneously. The tone of our podcast next week could could be 180 degrees different from what it could be based on the you know if the result goes the opposite direction of what we all hope this is going to you know they have to play like they have played since the bye week if they play like they played since the bye week even if the Colts bring their a game there is no chance that the Bills lose this game they have to have they have to avoid those mistakes they they you know 
they don't even have to win the turnover battle. Just don't lose the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think they could lose the turnover battle and maybe still win. Like, oh, they could. Yeah, they could definitely. <laughs> do it. But if they don't, they lose shouldn't. It, but yeah, if they don't lose the turnover battle, I just don't see how they, you know, how they could lose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they they have to, you know, keep those things in mind. And I think that's the avenue. Just play the game you've played the last six weeks, and this game should be yours. I am in full agreement. I think the thing that I'll say just quickly to Paul's point about the Chiefs, I do think that that's like a misnomer of a game. Like I don't just quickly. I was thinking about it this week, like because, of course, I can't stop thinking about the inevitable championship game. And I really hope I'm not setting myself up for disaster here. But like if if Buffalo gets back to that game and they play the Chiefs again, I 100 percent will bet all the money in my pocket that it will not be the same game plan. I think that that game plan was a matter of convenient, not convenience, a matter of, of, of facts on the ground with regards to who the Bills had available and uh, what was available to them. And they had absolutely no inkling about what they thought the best way to beat Kansas City is and certainly has no bearing on what they think now. Um, I agree. I, there's not much else to say. I think that the Colts are a good team and Buffalo has been beating good teams all year. And all they got to do is go out and beat a good team again. Um, you know, they, it. With any luck, they'll get the ball first. That's exactly what I would want to go up seven nothing and uh, you know start putting the pressure on um, the Colts as fast as you can because the sooner the sooner you can push Indianapolis to have to pass the ball to win, the sooner they're going to um, the sooner they're going to feel it. And so you know, and the sooner I think you're going to be able to put the football game away. So no scores, no picks. We're all on Team Buffalo this week, obviously, as we are every week. But we're not going to sort of, you know, tempt fate here and ask ask, um, you know, pick somebody else. Um, uh, so it's a Saturday one o'clock game. Um, I'm so happy we didn't spend any time complaining about that. I'm so happy <laughs> we didn't spend any time talking about Brian Dable being a, a person who. Uh, people want to hire as their head coach because there's going to be plenty of time for that later. And the, the the thing that was bumming me out before yesterday was the number of people that couldn't stop focusing on those two things. Um, so <laughs> do yourself a favor, Bills fans, get out, you know, enjoy also the, game. the near coup. That was kind of a bummer. As well. That's what I'm saying before yesterday. <laughs> that's what was bumming me out. That then the, the near coup became, you know, much worse. Um, anyway, what I'm going to say to Bills fans everywhere is, Uh, appreciate what you have and your life and how great this season has been. Uh, Park yourself on a couch. Uh, Oh my God. We didn't even talk about the people who get to go to the game. uh, Oh yeah. It's fans. uh, 6,700 in the stands. That's great. Congratulations. are taking their COVID tests. Everyone I've seen has passed so far. So congratulations to all of them. We're very thrilled for all of you. Uh, We might have differing opinions. I feel, I personally feel bad that Andrew Cuomo doesn't get to go to the game now because he basically was shamed into not going. Um, But you know, I know that not everybody on this podcast agrees with that, and that's okay. So let's just leave that there. Um, the point is, even Andrew Cuomo is going to sit on a couch and get to enjoy this Bill season. So um, you should too. Uh, and Scott gets to stay up for it. This is great. This is yes. such a good thing for Scott. Um, so until next time, uh, you can find us MNY Bills. That's where Paul will be on Saturday at one o'clock on Twitter. Uh, B Bills MNY on Facebook. Um, you can, uh, you know. Say terrible things to Sujit. He's uh, the Chicago Bills backer on Twitter. Uh, don't do that, I guess. I guess in the spirit of yesterday, we shouldn't do that. Um, but we do really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Uh, until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.